So a couple of days ago, I had discussed a story about producer Roy Lee doing an interview with the Boo Crew from Bloody Disgusting and revealing that there was not just one, not just two, but three sequels to The Strangers that were set to begin filming uh, in September of 2022. And I had mentioned that we were going to start hearing more information on that very soon. And uh, lo and behold, a day later, it was announced that at least one of the directors, and we don't know if this person's going to be directing all three films, two films, or just one, but that one of the directors is, uh, you know, legend status for us there, royalty, Mr. Rennie Harlan is coming to direct at least one of the Strangers films that begins in September 2022. And this is big because if that name doesn't ring any bells for you, if you're not familiar with Rennie Harlan's work, well then first, why don't we go back and talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street for The Dream Master, which has been getting a lot a lot, a lot of new fresh eyes in the last few years and is actually becoming a lot of people's favorite film, if not top three favorite films in the franchise. There is no beating Dream Warriors for me, so sorry about that. But I do fucking love The Dream Master. That's a really, really good one. But if you haven't seen that, maybe see a little film called Die Hard 2 or uh, Cliffhanger or The Long Kiss Goodnight or, uh, I don't know, Deep Blue Sea. The Man Comes From Horror. He also did Exorcist the Beginning, one of the two Exorcist prequels that we've gotten thus far. Um, so that's awesome. That's freaking awesome that Rennie Harlan is coming to do this. And it shows that clearly there are some uh, there are some interested parties in this franchise. And it just goes back to what I was mentioning during the quick kill. Um, I think the fact that we don't get a lot of bigger horror franchises these days that go past two or three movies. This is big, and we have to treat it as such. Because if we go back and look at all of our heavyweights, like I mentioned, Michael, Freddy, Jason, Chucky, whoever you got, um, yeah, there's always a clunker or maybe a couple clunkers in this, like each series. But the fact that they're so drawn out, there's usually something for everybody. But... Back in the day, it wasn't really looked at as a sense of pride. Like, you're coming in to do the sixth Friday the 13th film. You're coming in to do the fifth uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and so on. These days, though, I think people understand that our nostalgia is real. And we have a better and greater appreciation for all these older horror films out there. And so now, it's not necessarily a bad thing to come on in a franchise and do the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or more sequel at this point. And to be honest... One of the biggest places I'm going to give credit to on this here, and a lot of people are going to hate me on this, is going to be Marvel. Because I feel that Marvel has made directing uh, directing their films um, a lot more important than it maybe had already been. And I get it. A lot of people talk about how like they're strict combined. You have to do this. You have to do this. You have to do this. You're really just coming on and saying this, this, this. But... At the same time, I feel that we've gotten some bigger people or some bigger names coming to direct Marvel films who this was not their break or anything, but it's the one that got them all the notice because they did a lot of TV work or they did maybe just like a few films here and there. And the Marvel film is really what broke them out. 
Um, and not that Rennie Harlan needs it. Rennie Harlan doesn't need that at all. But I guess my point is just to say that there's no shame in coming in and doing a sequel in a franchise uh, franchise series. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. So I'm stoked for it. And it gives me more uh, more excitement for this series now because to me that is that signifies that we're keeping what we took with the Strangers Pray at Night and we're just going with that at that point. We're going to get a lot more highs and less of the lows of the original. So... Excited for Rennie Harlan coming in to direct at least one of the new three Stranger films. And tonight, we are talking men and they slash them. Stick around, folks. This is T watches a scary movie. episode of T watches a scary movie. I'm T and of course we're talking scary movies. I appreciate you joining me for another brand new episode. Remember new episodes go up every Wednesday night, the audio version at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on your favorite podcasting platforms and the video version is available on YouTube at 8:30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time at youtube.com/c/staringreynoldsscarymovie. Also, you can go to my link tree which is a link tr.ee slash t scary movie a little bit easier to get to all the various links i have out there again that's link tr.ee slash t scary movie if you go to that easier access for a lot of the audio links the youtube link as well uh you can access all my stuff there even my instagrams on that and i know i got all those links over here off to the side as well so that's awesome having that available for y'all but you can check the link tree out make it a little bit easier and of course i don't want y'all to forget either because they are popping out these new uh these new issues like crazy don't forget that you can also get 20% 20% off your Fangoria orders in their shop by using my link, which is shop.fangoria.com slash A-X-D-E-W. That's shop.fangoria.com slash A-X-D-E-W. Utilize my link and you're going to get 20% off your entire order. Um, and this applies to both subscriptions and the one-time orders. So uh, you can get it off basically anything at that point. So Make sure you use that again. That's shop.fangoria.com slash A-X-D-E-W. So, what do we have on deck for tonight? Uh, there are so many new movies coming out right now, and I'm fucking loving it. Y'all, again, I, I say this every few weeks, and I've said it a lot over the past two and a half years uh, since we all started staying home and we're slowly getting back out there, that... There is just so much horror out there right now. It is a great time to be a horror fan. We are getting so many new, big, high-profile horror films each and every month to the point to where this month we have not one, but we have two high-profile vampire films coming out in Day Shift with Jamie Foxx and uh, Dave Franco, which comes out on my birthday, August 12th. We also have the wide release of Bodies, 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 which is not a vampire film, but that comes out this week on August 12th, my birthday as well, too. And then we also have The Invitation, starting Nat- uh, Nat- Natalie Emanuel, coming out later this month uh, that looks a bit like Ready or Not, 
meets uh meets dracula basically and we what else do we have we have beast with idris elba coming out we have fall there are so many horror films coming out over the next few weeks and that's even before we hit september and we got all the big shit like hocus pocus coming out um it is a crazy crazy time to be a horror fan and i absolutely love it because i feel like there's something for everybody and it's so weird because I'm not in my spooky mode yet, and by that I mean like the, the mode I love being in, that we're getting closer to Halloween. And it's like, cool, all right, it's a different feeling watching horror movies now. Um, I'm going to get the decorations and everything up. I'm not there just yet, but I'm getting so, so close, y'all. I think i got to get past my birthday first. So it's either going to be next week or it'll be the week after that. And then we're straight set for spooky season. And man, y'all. I can't tell you how excited I am to go back and watch my heavyweights now there. We're not going to really watch them together this fall because we've done that a lot. But uh, my Nightmare on Elm Streets, my Friday the 13th, my Halloweens, my Chuckies, my Hellraisers, and so on. I am so stoked to get back to those because I'm realizing now that I'm trying to watch them less and less and less throughout the year. So they're still so special to me um, anytime, anytime at all when we get to the fall and we're ready to get that all started up. So I'm stoked. I'm absolutely stoked for that, y'all. It's uh it's August 10th as we're as we're talking here right now and things are just getting set to kick off here really 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 soon. So, I don't want to take up too much of y'all's time here at this point talking about nonsense. Let's get right into our movie reviews tonight, y'all. So, uh, I want to caution this review here before I jump right into it. Um, I'm talking they slash them, uh, the new uh, horror slasher set at a conversion camp that was brought to us from Peacock, starring uh, Kevin Bacon. And I want to uh, preface this with, uh, and it's the only time I think I've, I've had to do this here, but I, I think it's very important. Um, I have seen quite a lot, a lot of backlash to this film online, and it's not my place to tell anybody they're wrong about, you know, this movie making them feel a certain kind of way because it is a very sensitive, sensitive subject. Like right off the back, this film is about a group of teens who were sent to a, I, I guess it's a gay conversion camp. I'd say just conversion camp because it's not about all the kids being being gay, but whatever. Um, they're sent to a conversion camp, but the point is to make them straight and to make them normal. And, of course, as you can tell from the trailers and poster and with a lot of the chatter going on online, is that uh, what they find out is that a lot of people are being murdered at this camp. There is a killer uh, killer out there who is murdering people at this camp. And the thing is, is that already being at a conversion camp, we're already in very, very, uh, very... Uh, sensitive I, I don't mean I hope that doesn't come off disrespectful but we're in a very sensitive topic already with that because conversion camps are absolutely disgusting and should not exist and never should have existed and fuck the people that run and support those things um, but already that's kind of pushing the boundaries and I get it that's that's the point of cinema that's the point of film is that we can kind of see things in here that we would never ever want to want to see or do or engage with um, you know, in the real world at that point. But I can also understand the backlash that is coming out um, considering who, uh, where some of the violence in the film gets directed towards and the message that it's trying to put out. 
So I want to say all that as I as I jump into this review because I don't want anybody to feel like I uh, I don't hear that I don't see that and I'm just choosing to willfully ignore uh, a lot of that that's coming out um, because it is important. I, I think those voices are incredibly important to not silence and make sure that they're shaping this conversation because, granted, you know, um, uh, after uh, and I think it's incredibly important. After the comments we've seen recently from somebody like Jason Bloom talking a lot about uh, some of the films that he's produced and really cutting back, uh, cutting into filmmakers, I think kind of looking at something like that and comparing it to the conversation that's coming out about they slash them right now, that it's incredibly, incredibly important to make sure that we are uh, minding everything as, as we discuss it. So we're going to jump into it. But I just want everybody to understand there that I fully accept if this is a movie that you can't watch. If you did watch it and you just can't, you can't get on board with it, I fully accept that as well too. Because um, while I might not understand, I sympathize. And so uh, just shooting love, just sending love out uh, to you, to those who have been affected by this film. So they slash them. Um, we start off right off the jump here with a uh, with a, a mysterious figure killing somebody who looked to have been on the way to uh, Whistler Camp, the the setting of our entire story. And right off the jump, it kind of lets us it lets us know it's a slasher by starting that right away, which is obviously always uh, always the right way to go when you're doing a slasher. You have to have the opening kill to set the stage for the audience as to what to expect with this killer and to give you an idea of what danger our characters are really going to be in. And so that right off the jump, smart decision. We have no idea why this person uh, this person that was killed was targeted in the least bit. Uh, we also don't learn that until the end of the movie as well too, but we're left with a little bit of mystery and it's just somebody getting killed. Now, from there, that could be seen as a problem just because I think that um, when we go and look at a lot of various slashers, we want to feel that the, the the opening kill is somebody that's kind of important to that story, okay? It doesn't have to be the main character. We don't need it to be like Drew Barrymore or anything like that now, but we want to make sure that we don't feel like this is just completely removed uh, from everything else that's going on at that point. Uh, it has to tie into it. And... One of the problems here with this opening kill, uh, it's cool to see it. I like I like the design of the killer as well. But the problem with this opening kill is that it's not referred back to until the end of the film. So unfortunately, it really doesn't have a lot of importance. And yes, by by the end of the fi the film and a reveal of who the killer is, that turns out to be a very important part to the plot itself. But that doesn't really save it, unfortunately. Um, something like your opening kill really can't just be glossed over the way that it was with this movie. And the fact that we don't really get to pick up with it until the end of the movie, I think kind of hurts that opening kill. So from there, we move on to a, a group of LBT, uh, LBGBTQ people who are arriving here at Whistler Camp that is ran by Owen Whistler, who, uh, who is played by Kevin Bacon. Now, Kevin Bacon, I'm just going to go ahead and put this out here, uh, out there from the jump. Kevin Bacon does a phenomenal job in this film. There's nothing wrong with uh, any of Kevin Bacon's performance because his character, Owen, 
starts off at the beginning trying to make sure that this group of the, this group of LGBTQ people that are arriving in this camp are feeling welcome and they don't feel that this is like you know the crazy camps that are out there that it's all about Jesus and we're gonna make you find Jesus and that's gonna go ahead and pray the gay away that's gonna make you straight that's gonna make you right um he doesn't really do that and obviously obviously we know look you can say whatever you want at this point there are two things here that we got to make sure we're focusing on one this is still a conversion camp and two, you're fucking Kevin Bacon. So why the fuck are we, will we trust you to begin with now? I say that. We love Kevin Bacon. We, everybody loves Kevin Bacon. But Kevin Bacon is like one of the best bad guys of all time. He's one of the best actors out there to, you know, lull you into. Yeah, trust me. Trust me. I'm Kevin Bacon. And then, you know, by the end of the movie, he snapped your neck or some shit like that. And so we know, we obviously know that uh, everything's nice and calm and cool right now, but it's not going to get that way. And... Right off the jump here, uh, after right after uh, Owen basically tells the campers that they're not going to try to forcefully convert any of them, he immediately, immediately decides that he is going to separate the separate the campers and the cabins that are made for boys and for girls. Now that's the first red flag here of the film because our our main character Jordan, who is uh, played by Theo Germain. Um, it introduces a, a problem that already number one it puts us on edge because if this isn't the first like the first class uh, set of campers group whatever you want to call it if this isn't their first rodeo doing this then Kevin Bacon's remark of how that would be a smart idea having a you know a, a camp for non-binary uh, for non-binary people or trans people that like that would be a good idea so that everybody can feel comfortable with where they're staying. So on one aspect, it just really, really doesn't work to, to make that mention because it's like, all right, if you've all been doing this for a while, you'd already have it. You just have to be upfront. And I, I don't think I like that part of the writing. Uh, and I'm not going to dissect every single line, uh, every single line in here, obviously. That would take me all fucking day. But something about that just didn't work for me because it's like you're trying to like to, to pull the wool over these campers eyes before all the bad shit starts coming out. So wouldn't that be the point where you just say, no, we don't got one and leave it at that. Instead, um, Owen decides that he's going to uh, he's going to assign Jordan to the boys cabin and the kids start uh, sharing their stories with each other about why they're ultimately here at this camp. And we hear from everybody, all the various just terrible stories about friends and family and experiences that they've gone through in their lives that have ultimately led to them being forced to come to a place like this, uh, either because it's the only way they'll continue to be supported by those people in their life, or they get some kind of deal out of it. And that part, at least to me, um, for, uh, Trying, trying to make sure I'm coming at this, uh, coming at this respectfully. That part seemed realistic to me. Hearing these stories of these campers about why they're being sent to a camp like this, the expectations and the disappointment, the stupid fucking disappointment coming from their family and friends from not being who they truly are, um, or for being who they truly are. Excuse me, for being who they uh, who they truly are. And uh, these stories are just. They, they feel they feel heartfelt and you do have to wonder if our screenwriter John Logan who also directed the film you know if 
these are stories being pulled from maybe some of his own experiences or maybe from some of his friends experiences as well too um i i really do i really do wonder about that and it's important to note as well too that uh john logan who wrote this film also has written a number of other fantastic films as well too uh including bats with a uh, lou diamond phillips uh one of my if not my favorite football film of all time any given sunday wrote gladiator wrote star trek nemesis wrote the time machine wrote the last samurai uh aviator sweeney todd like the guy has absolutely got that background here but still I have to wonder if some of these stories are being pulled from personal experiences um, or if they're coming uh, coming from friends or whatever, just because they seem very, very much heartfelt. And what's important to note about They Slash Them is that this film really does lose the, lose the idea that it is a slasher. And I say that because the kills in this film are so few and far between like people a lot of folks do die in this movie but the problem is is that it's very very delayed like it almost to the point reminded me of like when a stranger calls which you know i was watching and reviewing recently so we get that opening to where the two kids get killed and then there's basically nothing until the end of the movie and that's kind of the way that they slash them worked out like it's not the end of the movie when the killing begins up again but we get a very very different film between the opening kill at the beginning and towards the end when things uh start to unravel and i think that's a bit of a problem unfortunately uh, uh with the film by a bit it's kind of a bigger problem because it comes down to the marketing of the movie to where we've seen recently with films like bodies 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 uh, to where it was uh, uh, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies and then um, uh, oh god uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the, of the other one there but at least with Bodies, Bodies, Bodies I felt that it was being promoted like a slasher and then ultimately it just wasn't and that's okay because that movie's fucking phenomenal and I absolutely like love that movie but I could also agree with folks who saw it and was like oh this isn't really like, this isn't a slasher, and it looks like it's supposed to be, and folks got mad at that. I can understand that, because that's not really what it's supposed to be. And they slash them. I wonder if the focus had been put more on the horror that happens at these camps versus the slasher elements, if maybe it would have been received a little bit better. Like, there's still a lot of problems with the movie itself, but I do wonder if we would have just said the scary part is this conversion camp. Fuck the fart, the fact that there's somebody out there killing people. Just being at this camp is scary enough because there's a lot of shit that does happen in here that is pretty fucked up and is pretty terrifying, including, uh, including the fact that, you know, Owen, after his entire speech opening day with all the campers, uh, outs one of the campers as, you know, as trans because she had gone to the gone to the girl's cabin and Owen basically said, nope, you're going to the guy's cabin because you didn't tell me. And that alone, oh my God, that alone, just bells and alarms and everything going off in your head because that is scary 
as hell um, because that's a real thing. That is absolutely a real thing. Um, and I've had trans friends go through that before and you see and hear stories about that all the time about how, you know, trans trans people can be targeted because of the fact that they didn't reveal something that they shouldn't have to reveal at that point to uh, to somebody they might be interested in or even someone that they're not interested in just taking offense to the fact that you didn't tell me because you look this way and you know what surprise I found out that you weren't that way and that offends me it's such a bullshit bullshit life uh, that that ah, it's just it sucks the world that we live in that we have to deal with that and I know seeing and hearing that in this film just set me off it's like okay uh, I hate that Kevin Bacon is such a good actor because that hurts. Hearing that is like, it's a dagger through your fucking heart at that point. And yet Kevin Bacon is so good at delivering it. And we're then introduced to that point to the camp's new nurse, Molly, played by uh, Anna Chalumsky, who you might know from uh, Veep and Hannibal and of course my girl, who I absolutely love, um, who is, seems like she might be the compassionate one for our campers because the one thing that we're definitely shown is that there are a number of counselors uh and staff that work this camp and some are creepy including the groundskeeper or their janitor uh and obviously they have their head counselors who seem to be very uh very much more uh forceful and mean and direct and straightforward and even though that kevin bacon's own is not himself that accepting they seem even less accepting of uh than owen does and uh, Nurse Molly here seems to be one of the only staff members who's having a bit of compassion, who seems to have an understanding of what these kids are going through and wants to make sure that she's doing everything to help them as well, too. And some of these activities, some of these activities that they end up having to do, including going out into the woods, handcuffed together with somebody else. Um, just alone staying out there in the wilderness are meant to build uh, build tension because basically the idea here with a lot of it and that that's the one thing that kind of got to me is that um, a lot of the activities a lot of what they're doing at this camp are very masculine activities that they're pushing all these campers to do so I think that's a bigger problem because it doesn't really even focus so much on okay well maybe you're gay or maybe you're bi you're pansexual you're trans you're, you're, you're you know you could be all these different uh, different things but the movie focus seems to focus a lot of its energy just on we need to get you manned up we need to get you masculine we need to get you you know you're 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 a rooting tooting guy and everything and i think it would have been a little bit more interesting if we were if we were discovering other aspects of that like hey it's not just about being masculine but also you know for the ladies that they're targeting at these camps there like you know like oh we want you to be more feminine as well too i think a better story could have been told showing a lot more of this and there are like scenes in here where uh, where the 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 girls or um uh, uh where some of the the female presented characters are uh you know in a cooking class and everything but i think that's also where again the movie just kind of fa uh, failed us a bit to where it's not showing a lot of uh, different experiences throughout the film and one of the more prominent uh parts of the movie includes uh includes a part to where they're all taken out to practice shooting with rifles a very masculine and man activity and the group is told that they have to actually go and kill this old dog at this point and 
we see while this is happening that uh, Owen starts to push Jordan because Jordan uh, uh, Jordan is non-binary uh, and they represent themselves as they them and uh, as Owen begins to try to push this group more and more and more you start to see these walls and this facade and this act come down and more of this real Owen coming out as Owen starts stops respecting uh, Jordan's pronouns and it starts to be more he and him and and just making sure he's doing everything he can to push uh to push jordan into uh, uh jordan and and uh and their friends into uh doing this heinous heinous act that will absolutely change them once it's done and it's insane it, it's absolutely insane and to the point where uh, Carrie Preston, who you might recognize from a True Blood, that's Arlene, who plays the camp psychiatrist, even uh, or therapist, I'm sorry, has an interview with Jordan and basically is telling Jordan how they're just such a terrible person and that everything that they're doing to themselves isn't actually real and they're just looking for attention. But have you ever tried just being, you know, being normal and it's disgusting it's absolutely disgusting i get it's a script i get it's a movie but even looking at it and hearing it, that knowing that this is something that really happens out there is incredibly hard it's incredibly hard to go through and watch that um that being said uh because obviously this movie just came out i can't get too spoiler heavy with it the big problem uh, the even bigger problem with this movie is that i'm just gonna put it out there None of our campers are really targeted for what's going on. As in, they are not the target of our killer. And that means there are no stakes to the film. One of our campers is targeted by, uh, by a different group, but not targeted by the killer. And if the killer's not targeting the people that we're focusing on, then that doesn't make it a slasher. And if it's not a slasher, then it goes back to just being about a conversion camp and the horrors within. But the problem is, is that if that's the case, then again, these ki the killer doesn't matter and what the killer's motivations are doesn't matter either. And while I did find things to like about They Slash Them, I think the bigger problem here is that, number one, if you're going to tell this kind of story, a little bit more care I, I felt needed to be taken. And maybe that's not for me to say but I do feel just a little bit more care could have been taken with our various uh, campers for sure in this story. Number two, if we are making a slasher, you can't excuse our like our lead characters, which is these group of kids. I mean, I get it, it's 2022, but we've spent the last four to five decades killing teenagers off in these kind of films. The fact that Kevin Bacon's in it, we're hearkening back to Friday the 13th. Jason Voorhees is even mentioned. So if we're talking about all of that you can't just be tongue-in-cheek somebody's got to die and the fact that none of them do there are no stakes you can't kill everybody else in a film like this so the film unfortunately falls in that aspect where it's not an effective slasher in the least bit to the point that even the reveal of who the killer is comes off very insulting and it's also uh, very problematic as well because of who we're saying the killer ultimately is. And again, that's going to give a bit of a spoiler, so I can't really elaborate on that too much. But what I will say, though, is that 
these kind of movies need to be need to be made. They need to be uh, they need to be shown because the more that we can see movies that feature characters that are not straight cis white males, uh, the better because that shows real everyday life. In everyday life, it's not all just straight cis white males. I ain't got a problem with with a lot of straight cis white males, but there's so many others out there. And this is a story I, I think for sure needed to be out there, but the execution of it was incredibly poor. And I think the problem there is that a lot of people might latch onto this and say, see, this is why we don't put characters like these in movies because the movies don't work and they're boring and they don't appease the masses. And that's not the point. We just want a better movie. It, 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 it's the same as, you know, we'll take Prey that just came out recently here. Um, the, you know, and dude bros like shitting all over it because the lead character is a woman and she manages the best, the predator in that movie. Well, the previous movie, the predator, which was exactly what, you know, these guys watched a bunch of dude bros hunting down a predator at this point, uh, tanked and it was reviewed horribly and that wasn't enough. So it's never going to be enough, but as much as we keep making movies like they slash them, perhaps we can make this more normal conversation and it doesn't have to seem as much out of the ordinary as it's presented to be sometimes so check it out uh you're not going to get your slasher fix from this movie and depending on you know where you stand with your allyship this might end up being a little bit hard to get through as well but it's available for free on peacock check out they slash them Alrighty, so i am talking alex garland's latest film men now if you're not familiar with the name Alex Garland, first of all, I wonder where the hell you have been in the last 20 years now, as that man has brought us some of uh, the uh, some of the most unique films to hit cinema in the last 20 years, including uh, 28 Days Later, Sunshine, uh, Dread, Ex Machina, Annihilation. Some absolutely fantastic films. He wrote all those films that I mentioned by the way, um, and he's back here with men, which he both uh, wrote and directed as well, too. And I gotta say, I don't know if this will be his most polarizing film, uh, because I think that's probably still gonna be Annihilation for, for quite some time, honestly. But I do feel that this is probably the biggest chance that Alex Garland has taken in his career so far, because Everything else that he's done up to this point has honestly, in my opinion, worked very well. Annihilation's the only one that was kind of a little, little wonky. And I don't say wonky in a bad way. I, I love Annihilation. But I fully get the folks who just, they didn't comprehend it. They didn't understand it. Went right over their heads. Um, this is going to do that a lot more. <laughs> this is going to do that a hell of a lot more. And I'm pretty sure I still enjoyed what I watched, even if I don't understand what the fuck it was that I watched in it. So, Min tells the story of Harper, uh, who has retreated to the uh, retreated to the countryside after uh, after a hellacious event in her life, to where um, her ex husband killed himself after Harper has mentioned uh, after Harper has brought to him that she wants a divorce um, because her husband has been emotionally abusive and manipulative 
and even to the point to where he recently physically abused her, Harper intended to divorce her husband and he ends up killing himself. And so she has retreated to the uh, re retreated to the countryside to focus on her work and basically decide to just kind of re not reinvent herself, but give herself a bit of a vacation, a bit of a break to get away from all of that and kind of start things over. And as she arrives there and begins to kind of explore the area around, she finds a tunnel that's occupied by some naked man who begins running and screaming towards her. And incidents like this begin to occur throughout the film. And the crazy thing about these incidents is that as we see from the moment Harper arrives in this town, um, even the caretaker of the house, uh, Jeffrey, is, who's played by Rory Kinnear, that the majority of our other male characters in men are also played by Rory Kinnear as well, too. Now, we're not really told whether or not this is something that Harper is just perceiving. Maybe this is a part of her grief somehow, is that she has taken the first, uh, the first other prominent male figure since the traumatizing event of her ex-husband's death. Uh, we're not told whether or not this is grief or depression or something stemming from that incident to where she's latched on to the first man that's shown up, Jeffrey. And I don't mean latch on in a romantic way, but just um, something in her something in her mind is just basically locked to the image of Jeffrey. And therefore, every other man she encounters just automatically looks like him as well. We don't know if that's it. That's kind of the idea that I got from it, though, is that we're not really like she's not really under any kind of spell or anything like that but this is just something something uh psychosomatic even that's going on after after that because if you see the way that harper's ex-husband dies yeah that that would be incredibly traumatic because she witnesses it as it happens so the idea that she not that she went crazy or anything but just that seeing that kind of snap something inside and so right now she's not all there um, I think that's very, very believable. And the only reason why I say that is because there are scenes later on in the film to where Harper like goes to a pub and she goes to a church and she's interacting with these other characters there. And nobody's really acting out of the ordinary um, from the things that Harper's saying. Like, I kind of feel like not they might not necessarily be realistic responses, but they're also not responding with any kind of like surprise or disdain or anything out of the ordinary that would make you think that okay like something truly nefarious is actually going on like it really does seem like this is a case of harper is just dealing with an ungodly amount of stress an ungodly amount of fear and all these other things that have been happening in her life so she's just seeing this herself right now and again that is my assumption that is completely my assumption there but i i like that aspect that harper is just very much affected by the traumatizing side of her husband uh, ex-husband's death and that's kind of shaped this journey and this vacation for her moving forward and what's interesting is that to support that theory when she goes to the church and she's talking to uh this vicar or priest or whatever you want to call him basically the priest insinuates that she's the blame for her ex-husband's death because basically um he he kind of tells her that had she just forgiven uh forgiven her ex-husband for the uh the abuse that he might still be alive and that everything would be fine and we get that like that kind of clicked to me because 
Of course, of course, like you blame yourself when somebody that close to you in that position, uh, when they pass, like you feel like, what else could I have done? You know, could I have done something differently? And even that her husband is presented as this like terrible person uh, from the bits that we see in the movie. And it like that doesn't change the fact that Harper can still feel guilt about his own death. Like she didn't push him to do that. Okay, that was emotionally manipulative, as we clearly see, because he tells her like, "If you leave me, I'll kill myself." And that's a fucked up thing to do. Don't ever do that, y'all. That is an emotionally manipulative, destructive move to pull, and you'd be a terrible person for ever doing it. But even with the move like that pulled, you do have to wonder. Well. Is this something that Harper still feels a little bit of regret on? Like, does she feel that there's even the slightest truth in that? Now, of course, she gets pissed at the car and leaves the church after he says that. But it still doesn't take that take that feeling away that that might be, again, driving everything that's going on in her head throughout the course of this film. And things start to get even creepier because this naked man who is following her in this tunnel starts to show up multiple times. He shows up outside of this pub that she decides to go to. He eventually shows up at her house trying to get in as well, too, uh, to the point to where towards the end of the movie, things finally ultimately break down here because the naked man shows back up. And what's weirdly starting to happen is that when he shows up at the house that Harper's occupying, uh, he continues to change into these various other characters. So it again becomes a question of, is Harper seeing things? Is she projecting onto every single male that's out there? Is this naked man just a uh, an analogy for like the grief that she's dealing with in a way for her to work out the demons that are within her? We don't know. We honestly do not know from this. And it is confusing to the point to where you might need to watch this numerous times to have your own opinion about what's actually happening in this film. But what I can say, though, is that uh, <laughs> so Harper ends up injuring this man and the movie takes an even wilder turn after that. And I didn't really understand. Uh, I, I didn't really understand the ending of this. I'm going to be completely honest with that um because i guess it would have made would have made a little bit more sense if we wrapped back more around or got firm confirmation of what was happening with rory kinnear's characters as multiple of them show up towards the end of this movie and it's creepy it is a very very creepy movie which alex garland does extremely well even for a movie like dread which was a straight up like action suspense thriller uh, it's a comic book movie even that movie was uh got appropriately creepy at different times throughout it so alec garland alex garland is really really good at building that atmosphere in all of his films but the problem with this one is me fully understanding i guess what i'm supposed to take out of it and to me i look at it as dealing with grief and dealing with guilt and manifesting that into your actual reality that's what i took from it but there's a good chance i'm probably incredibly off about that theory that i have about this so i definitely think y'all should check this one out uh, again a lot of you are going to be extremely confused but tell me in the comments if you got it do you like my theory do you think harper is dealing with a lot of grief with a lot of guilt right now and that everything that's happening in this movie is just her own mental projections do you have another theory for what you think's going on? 
let me know in those comments y'all min is available to rent right now on most streaming platforms go check it out not an expensive rental and it's a good time brought to you from alex garland hey everybody i appreciate you checking out this video whether it was a review whether it was a new episode whether it was an unboxing an interview or whatever else i want to remind you you can check out my separate reviews also on my youtube page and new full episodes go up every wednesday night on youtube at 8 30 p.m mountain standard time and on your favorite podcasting platforms at 8 p.m mountain standard time don't forget to hit that subscribe button like and share my name is t we've been talking scary movies Stay scared.